ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೋ ಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾವಿದ್ವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ದೃಗ್ದೃಶ್ಯ ವಿವೇಕ ವರ್ಸ್ ನಂಬರ್ ಇಲೆವೆನ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಟ್ವೆಲ್ವ್ ಇಫ್ ಯು ಲೈಕ್ ಯು ಕ್ಯಾನ್ ಚಾಂಟ್ ಆಫ್ಟರ್ ಮೀ ವರ್ಸ್ ಇಲೆವೆನ್ ಅಂತಕರಣವೃತ್ತಿಕರಣವೃತ್ತಿಕರಣವೃತ್ತಿಕರಣವೃತ್ತಿಕರಣವೃತ್ತಿಕರಣವೃತ್ತಿಕರ
I feel I am happy. And so, it is the mind which undergoes changes. What we just read in the um, verses before this, 11th and 12th verse, is that our daily experience, we are awake, we dream, we are in sleep, those things do not belong to the consciousness. This book tells us the witness consciousness which we are is unchanging. It, we, if you remember we read, it neither rises nor sets. It's unchanging consciousness. It neither increases nor decreases. Then why do we feel sometimes more conscious and less conscious? That's because of the changes in the state of the mind. Sometimes the mind is awake. Sometimes the mind is sleepy and dreaming. Sometimes the mind goes, shuts down in deep sleep. So we are, sometimes we feel awake. Sometimes we are in a dream. Sometimes we are absolutely in deep sleep. These changes belong to the mind, not to the witness. What Vedanta tells us is, we have become accustomed to regard ourselves as the mind and the body. We have to learn to see ourselves as the witness of the mind and the body. This is what we have learned so far. Now, the question still remains, if we are the witness, if we are unchanging pure consciousness, not born, not dying, after all, whose is birth and death? Birth of the body. There's no doubt about it. It's the body which is born. It's the body which dies and is cremated or burnt or whatever. So, if we are the immortal consciousness, as Vedanta says, that immortal consciousness itself is Brahman, existence, consciousness, bliss. That's what we are. If that is so, the question still remains, where does this mind come from? Where does this body come from? Indeed, where does this external universe spread out before us? Where does it all come from? What is it? So this question, how did the mind and the body arise? What are they? How, what is this external universe which the witness consciousness illumines by its light? What is this universe? What is this body? What is this mind? That will now be answered. We are in the 13th verse. Shakti Dvayam Himayaya Vikshepavriti Rupakam Vikshepashaktir Lingadi Brahmandantam Jagat Srijet. Ah, so now we come to Maya. So when we study Advaita Vedanta, the first word that we, we learn is Brahman or Atman, the ultimate reality, ourself, or Brahman, the ultimate reality, Sat, Chid, Ananda, existence, consciousness, bliss. Almost certainly the second thing we will learn is Maya. Because whenever you ask for an explanation from the Advaitins, they will give you an answer in one word, Maya. So now we have come to Maya. What is this Maya? It is the power which resides in Brahman, which projects this entire universe. It's something to be understood, it's very interesting. The Advaitins, the, the, the philosophy of the Upanishads, conceives of a power in Brahman which projects Brahman itself as this universe. Brahman itself as this universe. Brahman becomes the source of the universe. This is in fact behind the idea of God being the creator of the universe. In every religion we find God is the creator of the universe, God creates us, um, sustains us. So God as the creator of the universe, it, the source is this idea that Brahman, the ultimate reality, the witness which we are, it has a power called Maya, which projects this universe. This Maya, is it different from Brahman? Is it different from the witness? Or is it the same? If it is different from Brahman, then the problem will be there will be two realities, Brahman and Maya. And then you cannot speak of non-duality. And if it is not different, then Brahman is just Brahman. How does it project, project this universe? So Maya is conceived of as something that is neither different from Brahman nor non-different from Brahman. Maya is the power which projects Brahman as this universe 
as this body, as this mind, and being the power. The power is not different from the one which wields the power. In Sanskrit, it, it works very nicely in Sanskrit. Shakti and Shaktiman, they are not different. Fire and its power to burn are not two different things. Fire and it illumines and it burns. So the power of the fire and the fire itself are not two different things. They are not used to use philosophical language. They are not ontologically separate. It is the same existence. It manifests as the power. The fire manifests as the power to illumine and to burn. To, it gives heat and light. In the same way, Brahman has a power called Maya, which is at the root of this universe. What does it do? Maya has two powers. Maya itself has two powers. One is called the power of veiling. Avarana. The Sanskrit word avritti or avarana means veiling, covering, hiding. So Maya veils. What does it veil? It veils the reality, the witness that we are the witness. We are consciousness. It's hidden from us. We don't feel it. We don't know it. Even when we read about it in the Vedanta class, we forget it almost immediately. It's hidden from us. And not only that, not only is the witness Brahman hidden from us, Maya also projects. It presents this very Brahman, this existence consciousness bliss, it presents it as the world. It presents it as the body. Maya presents that this witness as the mind. So Maya presents this existence consciousness bliss as the mind, as the body, and as this universe spread out in front of this body-mind complex. This is called the Vikshepa Shakti. Shakti means power. Another name of Maya is Shakti. Shakti means power. Why is it called Shakti? Because it has two powers. What are the two powers? The veiling power, Avarana Shakti. The projecting power, the Vikshepa Shakti. Avarana Shakti and Vikshepa Shakti. If it sounds too metaphysical, too speculative to you, it is not. It's something that we experience all the time. If I mistake a, a rope for a snake in the semi-darkness, to take the classic Advaita example, if I mistake a rope for a snake, in the darkness I see a snake, but it's not a snake. Later on I realize it's a rope. Now what happened then? Two things happened. One was I was ignorant of the fact that it is a rope. This ignorance is the veiling power. It hides, as it were, the rope from me. That's number one. And the next what happens? I make a mistake. I see it as a snake. There's no snake. What happened? This very ignorance, it projected, it hid the rope for me, as it were. And it projected the rope as a snake. That's what happens. That my ignorance of the rope not only hid the rope from me, it did a second thing. The real mischief comes next. It projects a snake. It presents the rope itself as a snake. I don't know the rope and I see a snake. And this is exactly what Advaita is saying. In respect to this entire universe, body, mind and this universe, it is the same witness. The same consciousness which we discovered through the process of Drik Drishya Viveka in the first verse. What we discovered that, that same consciousness existence bliss is projected as this universe, is first hidden and then projected as the universe. Hiding, Avarana Shakti of Maya. Projecting, Vikshepa Shakti. Vikshepa Shakti. Sri Ramakrishna describes the Avarana Shakti very nicely. He is sitting in his room in Dakshineshwar, in the Kali temple of Dakshineshwar. And he takes a little Indian towel called a Gamcha. He takes this little towel and he puts it in front of his face. See, you are not able to see me. And he removes it. Now you are able to see me. In the same way, the grace of the Divine Mother, Shakti is required to remove the veil which hides our true nature from us. And that very true nature is projected as this universe. Now let's look at the verse. Shakti dvayam himayaya. Maya has two powers. What are these two powers? Vikshepa, avriti, rupakam. Rupakam of the form of. Of the form of vikshepa, projecting. 
Avriti veiling. Now first he takes up the Vikshepa Shakti. Then later he will take up the Avarana Shakti. And there is a method to this. Why? Maya is not entirely bad at all. The Vikshepa Shakti is actually according to this brand of Advaita. The Vikshepa Shakti which projects Brahman as the universe is no problem at all. The real problem is the Avarana Shakti. You see, in a desert, I'm thirsty and I see water in the distance and I run towards it only to realize it was a mirage. And then when I start walking and I look back, what do I see? Water. Again I see water. But now, I know it's just sand and the hot air and a reflection there. And it's not real water. But I still see the same thing. And it actually happened to Swami Vivekananda. And he speaks about it in the, in the deserts of Rajasthan. And he speaks about it in his uh, lectures. So he says that once you look back once again, you still see the same thing, but you are not duped anymore. Now the Avarana Shakti hides Brahman and projects uh, as if a real world. Once we realize that it is Brahman, after that we shall still see this world and we shall still experience a body and the mind but we shall know all of it is pure existence, pure consciousness, pure bliss. Then what we see will not be a problem. Seeing the world and a body and a mind is not the problem. The problem is considering these to be real and not knowing the reality that is Brahman. This bears repetition. Seeing the world is not a problem. Sri Ramakrishna also saw the world. Swami Vivekananda also saw the world. Masharada also saw the world. Raman Maharshi also saw the All the Buddha also saw the world. But what happens after enlightenment? After enlightenment, we realize this very experience. We realize that it is Brahman. We realize it's not a snake. In the case of a snake and a rope, the problem is solved. The moment you see it's a rope, you don't see the snake anymore. The problem is solved. But in all illusions, it's not like that. There are certain illusions where you see that sky is blue. And you read about it in the physics book. It's not really blue. It appears to be blue. After reading about it, after knowing all the physics, when you look up at the sky, what do you see? Blue. So the illusion is not dispelled. But now you know it's not really so. You don't have to wash all the planes, the blue color of the planes when they land, you know. Because there's no really no real blue color up there. So, the Avarana Shakti is the problem. That which hides the reality is the problem. That which presents a, multi, a multifaceted world, the world shining in its plurality before us, that's not a problem. If you can see the underlying unity, the underlying existence, consciousness, bliss, why should it be a problem? It's joy. It, it's joy. It's wonderful. So the Vikshepa Shakti is not a problem. The problem is the Avarana Shakti. That's why the Vikshepa Shakti first is put out here and then we shall discuss the Avarana Shakti and how to tackle that. You see, this place for example, where we are sitting, Hollywood, is where the Vikshepa Shakti of Maya is at its peak. The projecting power, the whole projecting industry is rooted here, is, is based here. The world's projecting industry, it's called the film industry, the cinema industry. And right there, across there, in, in those places, just outside, you have the largest, you know, if you look at what's going on on the screens, the largest number of murders, the greatest disasters, alien invasions and ghost stories and tragedies, terrifying stuff. But it's not a problem. But we enjoy it. You give them Oscars. <laughs> Why? Because the projecting power is not a problem. We know, let it be the greatest disaster possible, the greatest um, number of people killed and what not, terrible things happening on screen. We know it's not real. But we enjoy the projection. So the, the enlightened person, the Brahmagyani, the, the Jivan Mukta, the one who's free while living, enjoys the game of this world. Does whatever is necessary. When he sees people suffering, doesn't give them an Oscar, he goes and helps them. And 
in his own case, his or her own case, when the body-mind is suffering for, for him, it is no problem at all. It's just part of the game. There are so many examples of enlightened persons in all traditions of the world, in all religions of the world, how they rise above their own personal suffering. But it does not mean they apply it on others, that it's just a game, it's just a movie, so it's okay if you suffer, I enjoy your suffering. No, they will go forward and help the unenlightened. But they can enjoy this world. They can truly enjoy this world who know the reality behind this world. So first we shall see the projecting power, which is not a problem ultimately. In combination with the veiling power, the projecting power is a terrible problem. We have started a dream. It was a nice dream when we, maybe when we started it, but the problem is it soon turns into a nightmare and we cannot get out of it. That's the problem. So getting out of it requires us to identify the reality behind the dream, the screen behind the movie, the Brahman behind the world. So that is the avarana shakti, the hiding power, the veiling power. We shall go there later. But first the question before us is, how does Brahman project this universe? That's what is going to be answered now. Vikshepa shakti lingadi brahmandantam jagat srijet. What does the projecting power do? That very pure consciousness, which we identified in the first five verses, the projecting power takes that existence consciousness bliss and first projects a mind. That linga sharira, which is called, it's a subtle body. It projects a subtle body. There is a mind, there is an intellect, there is a memory, there is an egotism, I. It projects the sensory system, it projects the physical body, and it projects the entire physical universe. Out of what? The, our ignorance presents the snake, the rope itself as a snake. This power presents you yourself, me, you, our true nature, as the world and as the body and mind. And then the fun starts. The fun starts because we have forgotten who we are. And we get engaged. We think we are this body and mind. We are like the person who sees his or her reflection in a mirror, forgets the real face and sees the mirror and the reflected face as himself or herself. Now whatever happens to the mirror is happening to me. Mirror gets dirty, I am dirty. Mirror is broken, I am dying. Mirror is shattered, the reflected face is gone, I am gone, finished, I'm, I don't exist. How silly we would think that to be, but that's what we are doing all the time according to the Vedanta. Now, how does this Vikshepa Shakti project the universe? The next verse is so beautiful. How the, in one verse he deals with it, how the Vikshepa Shakti of Maya projects the universe. Fourteenth verse. Srishti Nama Brahma Rupe Srishti Nama Brahma Rupe Satchidananda Vastuni Abdhau fenadivat sarva, Abdhau fenadivat sarva, Nama rupa prasarana. Beautiful verse. Srishti, creation of the universe, according to Advaita Vedanta. What is creation of the universe? According to that, Maya spreads a net of name and form over Brahman that bears reputation. Maya spreads a web of name and form over Brahman. Just not the worldwide web, it's a universe-wide web. <laughs> Maya spreads it over Brahman. So what we experience are pictures, are forms. And we label them. We use language and sense experience to construct a world. What it is in reality is Brahman. So there is Brahman only here. But we, we see it as a world. It's like this table. It's wood. But now with the help of the carpenter we have given it a shape, a form. And we have given it a name, table. Now when you ask what is this, you say it's a table. Because we know what is wood, we understand this table as wood and we understand it as a table. There is no avarana shakti playing here. There is only avikshepa shakti. That wood is presented not only as wood, as a table also. If we go out to the Pacific Ocean out there and I ask you, look at the waves. 
You say, okay, we are seeing the waves. And I ask you, look at the water. Okay, Swami, I can see the water. It's the very same thing. With a certain name and form, you call it a wave. With a certain name and form, you call it foam. With a certain name and form, you call it bubbles. With certain huge name and form, you call it a tsunami wave. But it's all water with particular names and forms. At least there, the wind and the currents, they whip up the water into real waves. In Brahman, even that does not happen. Even that does not happen. It's all the play of Maya. There, we know what is water and we know what is wave. So immediately, when I ask you to see it as a wave, you can do it. When I ask you to see it as water, you can do it. It takes just a change in our understanding, not in the what we see. We see the, exactly the same thing. But here, in case of the world, of the universe and Brahman, we can't do it. We can't do it because we see the universe, we see ourselves, we experience our minds, but we don't, we don't know what is Brahman here. Vedanta tells us Brahman and name and form of the universe are presented to us mixed up, taken together. But just as we can separate name and form of a wave from water, name and form of the table, we can separate mentally, not physically. We can, in, our, in our understanding, we can separate the name and form of the table from the wood because we know what is wood and what is a table. We know what is a wave and what is water. We know what is an ornament and what is gold. We know that. But here, we don't know what is Brahman. Brahman is hidden for us. We cannot separate. And we see it as all together. Sri Ramakrishna's famous example, sand and sugar are mixed. The ant can separate them. There, we have to be careful. There is something called sugar and there is something called sand. And they are mixed up. Here, there are not two things. There are not two things. The table is not a thing and wood is not another thing. It is the wood alone appearing as the table. It is the water alone appearing as the wave. It is the gold alone appearing as ornament. I remember once uh, in another place, I was addressing an audience exclusively of goldsmiths. They were jewelers. And somebody said, Swami, you should give some examples with gold. So I gave this example that uh, imagine it's the same gold which is worked into a bangle or an earring or a necklace. And this lady, she goes to the uh, husband and says, well, I'm bored with these earrings. I want a necklace and it's not going to cost you anything. We can melt these down and make a necklace out of it. And the husband says, woman, why do you bother me so much? It's the same thing whether you wear it here or on your, on your neck. <laughs> now I give this example. It's the same thing. The classic example of a businessman in India who has fallen on hard times and who goes to the pawn shop and says that, uh, here I have a Ganesha. So the Ganesha made of gold. And I want to pawn it. Will you give me some money? You, want, you keep it and I'll, I'll take some money in exchange. And the goldsmith weighs it and says, okay, this is the rate at which I can give you money for gold. And then Ganesha, you know, all the Indian gods have their own vehicles. So the, the vehicle of Ganesha is a mouse, no less. And Ganesha is so obese, you know, and the mouse is so little, but Ganesha is supposed to ride on the mouse. Um, so with the Ganesha statue, there's always a mouse image. And this man says to the, gold, the, the pawn shopkeeper, so what about the mouse? How much will you give me for the mouse? And the shopkeeper says the same rate, same exchange rate goes. It's gold. And the man fly, flies into a fury. Ganesh ji ka jo rate? What? It's the same rate for Ganesha and for the mouse. Have you no religion, man? <laughs> and the shopkeeper says, it's Ganesha to you and mouse to you. To me, it's just gold. I'll give you the same rate for both of them. So this is an example which I gave. The name and form are different. Name and form are different. That's Ganesha and this is a mouse. But the material is the same. After giving this example, after the talk, one of those goldsmiths, he came up and said, Swami, you're going to ruin our business. <laughs> Why? You are teaching people it's the same gold, whichever form it is in. 
Well, our business is transforming gold from one form to another. Who's going to come to us after this? <laughs> after you teach them, it's the same jewel. Whichever way you wear it, whatever name you call it. Anyway, now it says, just as in an ocean, you have foam on the ocean. It's, you have to understand the example carefully. It's a beautiful example, but you shouldn't stretch it too much. There is a waves and there is foam on the waves. Especially when on a good surf day, you will have surf. You have foam on the waves. In the same way, he says, in this universe, this entire universe of name and form appears as foam on the ocean of Brahman. It's poetic. This entire universe of name and form appears like foam on the ocean of Brahman. Remember, don't stretch it too far because the rope is being presented as a snake. It's not that the, here the example is slightly different. It's like a physical example where there, is the, there are the waves and on top of that there's a layer of foam. So, what he means to say, Brahman is the reality, infinite reality and the universe which we experience is something superficial, is at the surface. The reality we have no access to. On the surface of an infinite ocean floats our universe. And it's so interesting. I was listening to a talk by Lawrence Cross, one of the uh, most notable physicists today. He's of course an atheist. Uh, he gives a talk. Oh, yes, he is. And he was giving a talk on how the universe was created. Just look at the parallels. It'll be thrilling. He's, he has absolutely no idea of what we are talking about here. But he says the universe is the universe we experience is like quantum foam on the surface of an ocean of dark matter. Look at the language. He says it's quantum foam. That the latest understanding of quantum physics that we have got today is that they say this universe is like, they, they use these words. They, it's not just Lawrence Cross. It's the technical term used, like quantum foam on the surface of an ocean of dark matter. Now, I am not saying that 800 years ago they knew quantum mechanics. I don't think they did. It's just that the language is uncanny. It's, it's incredible, the parallels. One of our senior swamis, Swami Smarananandaji, who was the general secretary years ago, now he's the vice president of our order, he taught us one of the Upanishads, the Brihadarnik Upanishad. And he warned us against drawing too many parallels with modern physics and as some people are, have the tendency to do this uh, Advaita Vedanta and modern physics. He says, the, first of all, the theories of modern physics are subject to constant revision and change. So if you link your Vedanta to one set of theories, by the time they have changed, your Vedanta also goes with it, first of all. Second, one should not do this in a very superficial way. One needs a very deep understanding of Vedanta and a very deep understanding of uh, physics to even say something serious about it. So one should not be superficial or glib about it. At the most, he said, what you can say is that there are interesting parallels. There are incredible parallels. There are very interesting parallels in language and in conception between what uh, Vedanta says or Sankhya says and modern physics. Anyhow, let's keep the quantum form aside for the, for the time being. Abdhav Fenadivat. It literally means, Abdhav means in the ocean. Fenadivat, just like foam. Just like foam on the surface of the ocean. Sarvanama Rupa Prasarana. The entire network of name and form is spread over the reality that is Brahman. I'm reminded of the Ashtavakra. There was this book, which is a very advanced book, book of Advaita Vedanta, a, a radical Advaita Vedanta, which Sri Ramakrishna used to keep hidden. And he would only let Swami Vivekananda read it and he would close the doors when I, so that others won't read it. And I think that accounts partly for its popularity. Now everybody wants to read that book. Well, don't go out and purchase it yet from the bookshop. First, let's get through with this, then Ashtavakra. But I'm reminded of Ashtavakra. There, the verses are so beautiful. It says, Mai ananta mahambodau vishwapota itastata Brahmati Swantavatena Namamastya Sahishnuta. I am an infinite ocean of existence consciousness bliss. The stage experiences it. I am an infinite ocean of existence consciousness bliss. 
and what is this universe? Not foam, not even a wave. It says the universe is like a little boat, one little boat, this entire universe, which is floating on my surface. Vishwapota, a little boat called the universe floats on my surface. Brahmati Swantavatena, by its internal breeze. Internal breeze means the laws of causality which operate within the universe. Within the universe, it moves up and down. There is birth, there is death, there is creation, there are planets come up, life evolves, it comes up. And then it destruction. Stars go supernova, universes, galaxies and solar systems disappear. It moves down by its internal law of causation. What is my attitude? Attitude of me, Brahman, the infinite ocean. Na mamasti asahishnuta. I am not impatient with it. I watch it. This is, the, this is the most superficial level of understanding. They go deeper. There's a deeper level of understanding. Next verse. Mai ananta mahambodav vishvam nam vishvavichi svabhavata udetu vastamayatu name vriddhi navakshati. It's a deeper level of understanding. I am an infinite ocean of existence, consciousness, bliss. And what is this universe? Including this body and mind. This body and mind, this little life and this whole universe. What is it? Not a boat. Boat is after all separate from the ocean. This universe is a wave. One wave. In, uh, in this existence, ocean of existence, consciousness, bliss, which I am. Then, Udetu vastamayatu. Let the wave rise, let it settle back into the ocean. Name vriddhi navakshati. I, the ocean, am neither increased by it, nor decreased by it. Let birth come, I do not gain anything by it. Let death come, I lose nothing by it. Let success come, happiness come, I gain not a little bit by it. Let defeat and despair and, uh, uh, and humiliation come, I lose not a little bit by it. Health and disease, knowledge and ignorance, all of these come and go the way of rising and falling. I am not affected by it. I am neither increased nor decreased. It is my joy. I alone appear, appear as the wave. I alone appear as the wave that is the universe. Even this is superficial. It goes deeper. That's why it's Ashtavakra. <laughs> Next verse. Mai ananta mahambodav vishwam nama vikalpana ati shanto niragara etadevahamasthita I am an infinite ocean of existence, consciousness, bliss. And the universe? Not a boat. Not even a wave. A wave is a movement of the ocean. However tiny. But he says, imagine an ocean without waves. Then this universe, it's imagined. Vikalpana. There is no wave called this universe. It's an imagination in the ocean of consciousness. If you have a mirror and you take it in front of the Pacific Ocean, you will see so many waves, big and small. You will see the surf and the spray. But in the mirror, in the mirror, none of those waves are actually there. Not one drop of water is there in the mirror. You see the entire ocean there. Exactly like that, I realize myself as an infinite ocean of existence, consciousness, bliss, where the universe itself is an appearance. Uh, then what am I? Ati shanto nirakara. I am formless and, and profoundly peaceful. Peace, in the Bible it is said, peace that passeth understanding. Not peace that is subject to arrival and departure. Not peace that is subject to disturbance. Profoundly peaceful. Ati shanto nirakara. This is how I have ever been eternally. So this is Ashtavakra and that's why it's Ashtavakra. Anyway, we'll leave Ashtavakra alone for the time being. So, Srishti Nama, look at the verse. Srishti Nama Brahma Rupe Satchidananda Vastuni In the reality that is existence consciousness bliss, Brahman existence consciousness bliss, which you are or I am. What is this universe? It's a projection of name and form. That is the 14th verse.
just like foam on an ocean. Now we come to the real problem, the whaling power. Just mention it and then we'll leave the tackling of it today. It'll take a whole class to tackle it. But today we'll just begin the problem. What is the problem then? The problem is I'm not aware of myself as an ocean. I identify more with a wave. I'm a little wave who comes up, maybe even a bubble, who's just come up and is about to pop anytime. And I have problems. I have serious problems. I have things to do. A wave, you know, a little wave has places to go. <laughs> things to do. There are bigger waves with which I have to compete. The little waves I have to be scornful of. And there are waves I'll be friendly with. And there are waves I will fight with. And I know inevitably I'll go back into the ocean. Death. That's my life. That's the life of all the waves. There's another verse in the there is a, another verse in the Ashtavakra which says, Ascharyam Jiva Vichaya. Amazing, incredible are these individual creatures, the little waves which arise in the ocean of Brahman. Udyanti, Nanti, Khelanti, Pravishanti Sobhavata. They arise in the ocean of Brahman. Who? We are born. Millions and millions and billions of us. Khelanti. They play with, I still remember, an old Swami in the Himalayas teaching this to us. His face beaming with joy and he looks at us. Well, play. Khelanti literally means play. The waves arise in the ocean of Brahman and play. And the Swami looks at us and he says, well, monks, I love you. I want to marry you. And we will always be together. Udyanti, Gnanti, Khelanti, they play with each other. And wonderful. Or we form a company and we do something great together, a corporation. Or we form a nation together. We love each other. Next, Gnanti, I hate you. We'll have a divorce. <laughs> I won't stay in your country. I want a separate country of my own. I will not be a part of your corporation. I'm going to do have a separate, I'll split off. Nanti, they fight with each other. And at the end, what happens? Pravishanti. They merge back into the ocean. What was the point of it all? From the point of view of the wave, it's a tragedy. It's a farce, Shakespeare says, what a farce human life is. But from the point of view of the ocean, it's joy. It's the joy of the ocean to have this cosmic game play on eon after eon and the thing is each of those waves is the ocean it's an illusion that the ocean forgets itself and identifies itself with one wave of course there's a point to it so that it can play really play with the other wave Sri Ramakrishna once was asked by a devotee why is there so much suffering in the world people dying people being tortured and so much so much misery and suffering in the world and Sri Ramakrishna gave different sets of answers as the devotee showed his displeasure his dissatisfaction with the answer Sri Ramakrishna moved to a deeper answer so Sri Ramakrishna says well it is the Lord's play the play of God uh, it, it is the Lord's wish it's a wish of God that's why it's all this is happening can we understand the mind of God the devotee evidently was not satisfied whatever be the mind of God but it is suffering it's terrible then Sri Ramakrishna goes to a deeper explanation. He says, well, it is the play of the Lord. You see, the ocean playing as the waves. It's the play of the Lord. Leela. Taad Leela. It's the play of the Lord. And the devotee gets furious. He says, Taad to Leela Amra Mori. He says, in, he says it's, it's his play. It's death for us. It may be play of the Lord. I don't know. But it is death for us. It's disease for us. It's, it's tragedy for us. It's terrifying for us. And then Sri Ramakrishna comes up with, a th with a, an explanation for which there is no reply. Just two words. He says. And he puts an end to the whole discussion. It is death for us. It's play for him. It's death for us. And Sri Ramakrishna says, Artumike, who are you? Who are you? You ask the wave, who are you truly? You are fighting against that wave. You are jealous of this wave. You are lording it over the other wave. Who are you really? You are the ocean which manifests as all these waves. You are not different from God. 
at the deepest level the lord alone is playing in all in in, in through all of us that is what they want to say now we have to know this we don't know it because of the veiling power we just do this verse and then stop antar drigdrishya yor bhedam bahishcha brahma sargayo आवृणोत्यपराशक्ति सा संसार वॉट इज द कॉज ऑफ आवर मिजरी इफ आई एम ब्राह्मण इफ आई एम एन इन्फिनिट ओशन वॉट ऑफ वॉट नॉट बट देन वाई एम आई लाइक दिस संसार से कारण दिस इज द कॉज ऑफ संसार ऑफ आवर प्रॉब्लम वॉट इज द कॉज tell us the cause is this it is the veiling power of maya what does it do within us it veils the fact that we are consciousness pure consciousness that we are the witness and as a result we think of ourselves as bodies and minds the difference between body mind and the witness sakshi this difference is veiled right now what are we experiencing ourselves as we'll say we are experiencing ourselves as bodies and minds no we are experiencing ourselves as sakshi plus mind plus body right now we just not not aware of the differences what we experience ourselves as a mind right now is pure consciousness plus mind but we are unable to separate the two because it is veiled what is pure consciousness what is the witness consciousness is veiled by this power where internally within us and externally this whole universe is brahman it is god what this does is bahishya brahma sargayo it veils their difference between brahman and name and form the universe and brahman brahman and the universe the difference between the two is veiled it's not that it veils brahman brahman is not hidden from us god is not hidden from us but god is mixed up with the universe what we are experiencing right now is god limited through the universe swami vivekananda says this universe space time what is this universe he says it is the wreckage of the infinite on the shores of space time and causation it's a wreckage of the infinite on the shores of space time and causation what is space time and causation maya so maya takes the infinite existence consciousness bliss and projects it when we are seeing a snake by mistake are we not truly speaking seeing the rope when we see a snake by mistake we think it's a snake where is the rope at that time right there it's not elsewhere i have to there's a rope i have to get hold of that then the, then the snake will go away no it is the rope we are imposing a name and form of snake upon it it's right there so what we see is the real rope with a false name and form of snake what we are experiencing is god and god alone with the name and form of the universe so what does this veiling power do it veils the difference between pure consciousness and mind i'm not even saying body and mind and mind let's make it more precise where does it operate he says antar drigdrishyor bhedam the difference between the witness and the witnessed we are the witnessing consciousness the mind is the witnessed drishyam the difference between the two is veiled by maya atman is not veiled consciousness or witness uh, is not veiled the difference between the witness and the witnessed the drishya and the drashta this difference is veiled and externally god is not veiled the difference between world and god is veiled this is what the veiling power of maya does and that's what is cause of samsara how does this cause samsara the moment the difference is veiled what happens i the pure consciousness now consider myself to be body mind when i consider myself to be body mind i see lots of other bodies and minds around me and say they are all different people and externally what happens brahman and the world the difference between them is veiled and i see brahman and the world mixed up 
I see the rope and snake mixed up, I say it's a snake, I say it's a universe. And I am a limited body and mind, here is a vast universe in front of me. And because I am a limited body and mind, I have certain desires, certain things which I like, which depends on the body and the mind. Certain things I do not like, which are unpleasant, which depends again on the body and the mind. And now I try to attain my desires, I try to avoid that which is unpleasant. I try to get what is pleasant and try to avoid that which is unpleasant. In relation to the body and mind, I become what is called karta. Karta means agent, the doer of actions. Why do I do actions? Because I want. Why do I want? Because I feel limited. Why do I feel limited? Because I have put on a restricting straitjacket, the straitjacket of the body and the mind. And I do not know I'm separate from it. I'm caught. So I start doing actions to get what I want and to avoid what I don't like. The moment I do action, I'm caught by causation, cause and effect. Whatever action I do, I set into motion subtle energies, the law of karma. It will give rise to effects. Anything you do in the universe, it will give rise to effects. So to, and now I have to get the effects. When I get the effects, I become what is called the bhokta, the enjoyer. The English word enjoyer does not do justice to the Sanskrit bhokta. The enjoyer sounds nice. Bhokta means literally the experiencer of both pleasure and pain, mostly pain. Mostly pain. As Bhagavan Buddha said, our experiencing is pain through and through. There is pain at the beginning, there is pain at the end, and what we consider foolishly to be pleasure is pain, is just a, is a layer on the reality that is pain. This is the reason why he said that. So, we become bhokta. We get the results of our deeds. And because all results we do not get in one life, we are subject to new lives, new bodies, where we go on experiencing the effects of our past karma. And this is samsara. Why is this samsara? Because of the veiling power. We'll stop here. And he says, Avrinoti Aparashakti, the other power of Maya, which is a veiling power, hides the difference between Brahman and the world in the world outside, the witness and the mind inside. And this is the cause of samsara. I'll take one or two questions and then we'll conclude. Yes. Samsara is this condition we find ourselves in this preeminently unpleasant condition where we are sub literally it means samsarati, that which moves continuously from body to body, from birth to death to birth again. This is samsara. It's called the cycle of samsara. It's life as we know it. It's a, it's a vast term. It's life as we know it. Samsara. That which moves from birth to death to birth, from life to life. Eternally dissatisfied. Eternally seeking. Eternally suffering. This is samsara. The wheel of life. And, yeah, there's a question there. Yes. Uh, is it a choice that we have, we are hiding this? Well, if it were a choice, we wouldn't suffer so much. I really wouldn't want to go on suffering this way. So, uh, Advaita Vedanta says, it doesn't talk about the question of choice, it just says this is the condition we find ourselves in. Now, get out of this. Get out of this. This very world, Sri Ramakrishna says, becomes, he says, what he says, Majarkuti. That is, becomes a, a festival of joy, the moment you realize it as God. It becomes a festive, life becomes joyful, full of unending bliss and joy, the moment you realize it as God. So, why would it be a choice to suffer? Perhaps it's called superimposition. In fact, it is called superimposition. That's the technical term used. But there is a philosophy, not Advaita Vedanta. There is something even more stunning than Advaita Vedanta in some respects. Uh, there is this philosophy of Kashmir Shaivism, Pratyabhigya philosophy, uh, where they say we are all Shiva. We are all Shiva. Sri Ramakrishna says also at one point, in bondage it is Jiva, individual. Freed of bondage it is Shiva. The same Shiva, bound is Jiva. 
Now, who bound Shiva? Kashmiri Shaivism says nobody bound Shiva. It is the play of Shiva. You want to be like this, this man or this woman with these experiences. You are Shiva yourself. Therefore, you are doing this. So, no, I want to be free from it. Well, now Shiva wants to be free. So, Shiva is coming to a Vedanta class. <laughs> no, I want to be a realized soul right now. If you really did want to be a realized, according to Kashmir, Kashmiri Shaivism, if Shiva really wants to be an enlightened soul right now, nothing can stop him. No Maya, no Ajnana, nothing can stop him. You want to be a student of Vedanta right now. That's why you're, you're like that. So that's the play of Shiva according to Kashmir Shaivism. Yes. There's a question there. Uh, if we can somehow get rid of Maya, yes. Then we are we are almost uh, near uh, the uh, Brahma. Well, yes. You don't have to get rid of Maya. Just have to transcend the avarna shakti, the veiling power, which hides the fact that you are Brahman, not near Brahman. You are Brahman. The Upanishad is very strict on this point. Mrityu samrityu maapnoti yaiha naneva pasyati yasya udaram kriyate. One who says even the slightest difference here between himself and Brahman will go from death to death. Mrityu samrityu maapnoti yaiha naneva pasyati who sees in this life the slightest difference between himself and existence consciousness bliss, that person will go from death to death. See, he could have just as easily said from birth to birth, but he wanted to be nasty about it. So, <laughs> he said, you go from death to death. Birth is at least, in some senses, it is nice. People are happy when somebody is born. Nobody is happy when somebody dies. So, says, you go from death to death. The slightest difference between you and Brahman. Don't even say, my witness. My pure consciousness. You are the pure consciousness. It's not like your liver or your kidney. My pure consciousness. You are the pure consciousness. But Learn to claim it. How we can get rid of the bailing power of Exactly. Mind? Beautiful question. For that, you have to come to the next class. <laughs> okay, we, we have two questions. I'll just take that question first and then yours and we'll stop. Yes. Like, as long as the fire exists, its burning power exists. Yes. 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 But the veiling power, you can overcome it. For, for Brahman, it does not affect. The veiling power has an effect not on Brahman, but on the jiva, the individual. How do you understand this? Sri Ramakrishna gives the beautiful example of a serpent, a cobra, which if it bites and puts a little bit of the poison into a frog or a mouse, the mouse faints or dies and is eaten up by the cobra. But all of that poison is in the mouth of the cobra and it doesn't do anything to that cobra. It be, it's the power of the cobra. What is death for something else is the power of the cobra, the one who wields it. In the same way, what is the power of Maya for Brahman is delusion for us. So, from the point of view of Brahman, Maya does not create a problem at all. Maya is, it enables Brahman to express himself as this, or itself as this universe. But from our point of view, as long as we are in ignorance, it is a problem. And it's a problem only in the aspect of the veiling power. And that veiling power, we can get out of. We can get out of that. How will we get out of it? The question, that will be taken up next. In fact, exactly how do you get out of it? What does Jnana Yoga suggest? And what are the methods, the methodology, the techniques? All of those will be discussed in the next class. Last question. Yes. So does it mean that True. Only when we experience it, then only we, we have the question arises, is this true? If we do not experience it, then it's not a problem. You see, in deep sleep, nobody has a problem. The multi-millionaire Oscar winner has no problem, no, no special greatness in his deep sleep and the homeless man sleeping outside the Chinese theater there also has no problem in, in deep sleep because the world appearance does not appear to him. Neither the film nor the Oscar in his hand appears to this man nor the terrible condition of homelessness appears to the other man.
Because there is no experience. Only when you experience you have a problem, something you like, something you dislike. What Advaita tells you is, you go one step further, look behind that experience. What is the reality of that experience? They will show you, in every case it is Brahman. It's existence, consciousness, bliss, it is what you are. Yes, thank you very much. Om Purnamadah Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavashishyate Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tatsat Shri Ram Krishna Rupanamastu